Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 this morning. It's way back toward the very back of your Bible. Uh, if you have a little, a little hard time finding it, and uh, you're going to go right past 2 Peter, and you'll find 1 John. And when you find 1 John, I want you to find 1 John chapter 3 this morning. 1 John chapter 3. This was my thought. I thought, what, a, what an odd message to preach right before we start revival. Um, but I feel like this is the direction that God wanted us to go, and, and so I just trust the Lord and let the Lord bring the increase. Amen? And so First John chapter 3, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us today out of respect for the reading of God's Word, First John chapter 3, we're going to read uh, the first 10 verses, and then we're going to skip down just a little ways. First John chapter 3 and verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. In other words, John said, you'll, you'll be able to tell. You'll, you'll be able to tell. <clears throat> That's exactly what the Bible's telling. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Now, we're, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, I want you to skip down, same chapter. I want you to skip down to uh, verse number 18. Verse number 18. And our Bible says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, here's our text. And hereby... We know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Let's read that verse together, verse number 19. Ready? And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. The Bible says, for our heart, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And you may be seated this morning, and just for a few moments, I want to, uh, to just teach or preach a little bit on the subject of assurance of salvation, assurance of salvation. And it's been a little while since I brought a message along this line, and, uh, and uh, God began to deal with my heart this week, and I had, uh, Lord, the Lord's been so, the Lord's been so uh, generous here lately, and just so many 
truths that God's been laying on my heart lately that I want to preach to the church. Uh, but this seemed to be the message that God wanted me to bring this Sunday morning. And so assurance of salvation. Man, if you've ever listened to a message, boy, y'all listen to this one, that's for sure. Uh, and so we're going to just pray and jump right into the Bible study this morning. And, and we'll use our Bibles, so keep your Bibles open if you will. And I hope this will be a blessing to us. And let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, it is a beautiful day to know the Lord. In fact, any day is beautiful to know the Lord. And we just thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary. What a great morning. What a great service. And God, thank you for reminding us that you are the remedy for all that ails us. God, whether it might be uh, illness, whether it might be a stronghold or an addiction, God, whatever it might be, whatever the problem might be, God, we're so glad that Jesus Christ is the remedy. He's the remedy. And uh, Lord, the gospel still saves. Jesus still saves souls. And he's able to deliver. And so we thank you for that. God, we're going to talk about, Lord, the most important uh, doctrine today in our Bible. And that's the doctrine of salvation. And so I pray that you'll knit our hearts together now as we learn. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be glorified. And Lord, that you'll work in hearts today. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, I'm just going to tell you. I love 1 John. I love it. Man, it is a fantastic book. All five chapters are just power-packed. And I love the book of 1 John. When I think about the book of 1 John, I think about a confident book. It's a very confident book. Uh, when I think about 1 John, 1 John is a definite book. It is a, and I've got this in big, bold letters, it is a sure book. Now, we know this whole book's a sure book. But when I think about 1 John specifically, I think about a book that is sure, uh, confident. In fact, if you start in 1 John chapter 1 and to go all the way through the, the five chapters, you'll notice there that John uses the word know, K-N-O-W. He uses the word know 22 times in five short chapters. I know. John said, I know. John said, we know. We don't think. We don't hope. We know. I've never read it. I don't, I'm not planning on reading it, to be honest with you, but somebody said that Charles Darwin, in his book on evolution, uh, over 300 times he wrote in that book these words, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose. Well, I'm glad that I don't have on my pulpit an I suppose book. Amen. I've got a book, and, and in just in five chapters, John says 22 times, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know this is the case. We know this is going to happen. We know this is, is true because it's based upon the authority of the Word of God. Now, I'll be honest with you, Calvary, <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever seen a day like today where it seems that so many people are lacking assurance of salvation. We notice there in verse number 19, the Bible says, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall, and this is the part I'm interested in, and shall assure our hearts before him. Assure. Man, I love assurance. And so many people are living with a lack of assurance of salvation. I was preaching in a meeting recently, and uh, and after we had a, gr a great service. And after the service, I had a uh, uh, had a, a young man. Uh, when I say young man, I'm talking about he's probably in his upper upper twenties. Uh, came through. Oh, that's bad when you start to say that's a younger man. And 
mercy. But anyway, it was a younger man that came, came through. And he said, preacher, he said, can I talk to you after the service? I'd like to talk to you and the pastor. And I said, absolutely. That, that, uh, sure, that'll be fine. Well, a little bit later, a lady came. And a lady said, preacher, she says, is there any way I could talk to you and the pastor after the service? And I said, absolutely. And so uh, we shook hands and the crowd uh, went out. And so we went down and began to talk to this young man and began to talk to this lady. And, and this lady was uh, probably my age. She was an older lady. Not old, but older, older lady. And uh, still young, you know, vibrant. And uh, anyway, and, uh, but you know what? You know what? Both of them had the same exact question. Both of them said, preacher, I just don't know that I'm saved. I don't have the assurance that I'm born again. Both of them were adults, not kids, but both of them were adults. Living in constant doubt, living in discouragement, and living in defeat. Now, Calvary, I came here to tell you today that that is never what God had in mind when he, when he thought about the Christian life. Did you know that God wants us to live a life of victory? He does. Uh, in fact, our Bible tells us in Psalm 107 and verse number two, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, uh, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Romans chapter eight and verse number 37, the Bible says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. First Corinthians 15 and verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, church, God doesn't want you living a life of doubt and a life of defeat and not knowing that you're going to heaven, not knowing that you're a born-again Christian. God wants you to live a victorious Christian life on the top side. By the way, what the choir sang this morning is not just a song. We are on the winning side. Amen. We are on the winning side, church. Listen, you say, how do you know? I've read the last chapter. I've read the last chapter. Man, you've heard that little story I tell all the time about that little boy. And he was, uh, you know, he was reading this book and in this book had a, had a good guy who wore the big white hat. And in this book had a, a, a bad guy that wore the big black hat. And, uh, and the boy was just engrossed in the book and he came to that part in the book where the bad guy was winning over the good guy. And he had the good guy tied up with ropes and he laid him on the railroad tracks and the train was coming around the mountain and the villain was rubbing his hands together and he said, ha, 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 I got you now. And man, he was just engrossed in that book and all of a sudden a voice came out of the kitchen and said, Johnny, come in here and help your mama. He said, mama, I can't, I can't. He, she said, Johnny, you get in here and you help your mama right now. He said, mama, he said, I can't come. She said, you better get in here. You're gonna get a spanking if you don't come. And so that little boy took that book and he thumbed to the very last page and he read that very last page and he came into that, uh, into that uh, kitchen just sort of uh, strutting this stuff and he said, Mr. Villain, you thought you was gonna win. But he said, I read the last page and he said, you're getting ready to get what's coming to you, amen. And I'm telling you, church, uh, based upon the authority of this word, I've read the last page. You are on the winning side. I am on the winning side. Hey, did you know for the child of God, boy, I feel like like preaching this morning, amen. Did you know for the child of God, this is as bad as it's ever gonna get for you and me? But if you're here today and you die lost, this is as good as it'll ever get for you. 
Man, what a blessing to be a child of God. What a blessing to be saved. You understand that's the kind of life that Jesus Christ wants us to live. He wants to give you a life of victory. He wants to, man, he wants to give you a high hand. How many know this? That the Old Testament is an illustration of New Testament truth. And we won't do it today, but if you went back to Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, the children of Israel were making their exodus out of Egypt. And the Bible says that God did something mysterious to the Egyptian people. They hated the Israelites. But the Bible says that God caused the Egyptians to spoil the Israelites. Man, they gave them gold and silver and food and drink and wagons and, 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 and all these things. And the Bible says that the Israelites, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they came out of Egypt with a high hand. They came out of Egypt with riches and wealth and victory. They didn't walk out of Egypt defeated and destroyed. They came out having spoiled. Now, I said that to say this. Did you know that when you get saved and you come out of Egypt that God wants you to come out living on the high side? God wants you to know that, that you've got the victory in Jesus Christ. And, and, and by the way, thank God we do have the victory today. God wants you to live a life of assurance. He was back around 1933 and they built I guess one of the, the wonders of the world, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, California. And, uh, uh, and uh, they, they tell us this, that when they first began to construct the Golden Gate Bridge, that there were no safety devices that were used. Uh, just this week, I looked it up. The bridge is at the lowest point, and this is at high tide, not at low tide, but at, at high tide, the bridge is 220 feet from the water. Now, it's not... Uh, counting how high up it spirals. And they said that during the first part of the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge, that 23 men slipped. And when they slipped, they fell to their death. But then they decided after 23 deaths, looks like maybe you would have decided to do something a little sooner than that. But after 23 men perished, they decided to, to, to produce a massive net. It cost, back in that day, 1933, it cost $100,000. And they stretched that net underneath where the men would be working on the Golden Gate Bridge. After they put that, that net under the bridge, they said that at least 10 men fell into the net, but they were saved. They also said this, that an amazing thing happened, that the work went up 25 that 25% more work was accomplished after the net was used. You know why? Because those men were no longer doubting their safety. They knew they were safe. And if you're here today, listen, if we're gonna be effective for Jesus Christ, and we're going to be a witness, and we're going to let our light shine, and we're going to be the Christian that God wants us to be. Listen, it is important that you and I live in full assurance of our salvation. Now, here's the question. Here's the question. By the way, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So this is the thought. Why is it that people doubt their salvation? That's the thought that God began to work on my heart about this week. Why is it? that people doubt their salvation? Why is it that people walk around constantly, and by the way, maybe you've never told anybody, but why is it that people walk around constantly and they lack assurance 
of salvation. Well, let me help you out, and we'll put a few things up here on the screen. Number one, we notice this, that people doubt, and let's just give you the obvious reason first. People doubt because they didn't. People doubt because they did not get saved. Now, look what, look what, uh, don't take my word for it. Let's look at our Bibles. 1 John chapter 3 and look at verse number 6. And notice what, what John says in verse number 6. He said, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, comma, look what he says, neither known him. In other words, the implication is there are some people who may claim to be saved, but the truth of the matter is they've never, ever known the Lord. There are some folk who, who simply because, uh, who doubt simply because they have never been saved. Now, why is that, preacher? Well, it could be a number of things. It could be that they're depending upon some work that they've done. It could be they're depending upon their baptism. Maybe they were baptized when they were uh, maybe earlier in life or maybe they were baptized when they were a child or maybe they were confirmed as a child or maybe they were christened uh, as a baby or it could be that they have a godly heritage. It could be that my daddy was a preacher or uh, my, my mother was a Sunday school teacher or uh, my grandpa was an evangelist or uh, my, you know, my, my grandpa was a well-known pastor or, or it could be a, a number of things. They're depending on their works. It could be this. It could be that they believe they're saved just because somebody told them they were saved. But the truth is, there was no new birth that ever took place. Do you know the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is one of the simpler messages you'll ever hear me preach. But I want to just ask you a question, and I, want you, I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to do some self-examination just for a moment. And here's the question. When were you saved? Maybe I'll ask it like this. When were you born again? Now, I know when I was born again, but that's not enough for you. When were you born again? You said, preacher, my grandma. Oh, no, 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 I'm not talking about your grandmother. You say, boy, preacher, let me tell you about my daddy. I'm sure your daddy's a great man, but I don't want to hear about your dad right now. I'm asking you a personal question. When were you born again? When did you become a Christian? You say, well, preacher, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. But you see, that's actually contrary to Scripture because the Bible tells, it tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also after, after that you believed, Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Somebody says, preacher, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. Well, that would be like me saying, somebody says, uh, uh, preacher, when were you born? I met your mom and dad the other day, and when, when were you born? And I said to you, I've always been born. No, 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 preacher, you're not getting it. When were you born? <laughs> and you know, I met your dad, Bill. I met your mother, Betty, the other day. Sweet folk. 
Many of you have prayed for Dan when he, go, go his, uh, when he was going through his surgery and you said, I met your folks the other day. I saw them out somewhere. And uh, when were you born to Bill and Betty Pope? And I'd say, man, I've always been born. I've always been born. You say, no, no, preacher. You're not understanding when. I mean, when did your mom give birth to you? And I'd say, my mom always gave birth to me. Now, you know what? You say, preacher, that don't even make any sense. Neither does somebody who says, I've always been a Christian. I've, I've always been born again. No, no, no. You've not always been a Christian and you've not always been born again. You see, there was a time and a place when I was born first. And by the way, church, there is a time and a place where you are born again into the family of God. John chapter three, verse number three, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born Again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Listen, all I'm saying is this. A lot of people doubt the assurance of their salvation simply because they've never been saved. We've had people that have attended this church. By the way, good folk. And I, I, I still to this day, I pray for them. And they'll come in here and they're supportive. They'll say, man, preacher, I love the choir. Preacher, I love you. I love your preaching. They're not negative or critical. But I've asked some of those folk, and I'd, I'd say, when did you make a decision for Christ? When did you get saved? Well, I, I really can't rem ever remember a time. Well, how do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Well, I just know. And so you understand that there are some people who doubt their salvation. i got to hurry. But there are some people who doubt their salvation because they never did get saved. But number two, I think this is a big one. People doubt because they distrust God's word. Now I want you to go back to 1 John chapter 3 again. And I want you to look at verse number 23 with me, if you will. The Bible says, and this is his commandment, that we should uh, believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Now, now look at these last few words. As he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. Now look at the last line. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Now, look back one chapter, 1 John chapter 2, and look at verse number 3. John says, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. The truth of the matter is, church, God has made his salvation very simple. In fact, God's made it so simple, even a child can understand it. We're so mixed up in our day and time, we want, you know, we want our kids to have an adult experience to get saved. And people say, oh, that, that little kid didn't get saved. Well, that's not for you to judge. Amen. We want our kids to have an adult experience. And that is contrary to what Jesus taught. Amen. Jesus did not say our kids need to have an adult-like experience to get saved. Jesus said our adults need to have a childlike experience to get saved. He said you just need to come to me in childlike faith. But, the, but here's the problem. Because God has made it so simple, a lot of times we doubt. It's so simple, a lot of times we feel like we have to do something. And if we're gonna live in assurance, here's, here, this is what it comes down to, church. If we are going to live in assurance, we have to base that assurance 
upon this book right there. That's it. Buck stops right there. That's it. We have to base our salvation on the word of God. For instance, how about this? God says in his word that we can know that we're saved. Now, since you're in 1 John, you might as well look at that. 1 John chapter 5 and look at verse number 13. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Here it is, here it is, that ye may, what's the word? That ye may, what's the word? That ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I've talked to, I, I don't know how many people I've talked to who said, preacher, nobody can know, nobody can know. I want to ask you a question. What are you basing that on? Well, we used to go to such and such a church and Dr. Big Bottom told us, I'm not concerned about what, what, what uh, Dr. Big Bottom told you or Dr. Bottle, uh, Bottle Stopper told you. I'm concerned about what Jesus said and Jesus said in his word that you can know. You can know that you're born again. You can know that you're saved. You can know that you're gonna spend eternity in heaven one day. How about this? How about this? God said, God said in his word, salvation is as simple as believing. John 3, 16, you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That whosoever believeth. That word believeth there is the idea of saving faith. It means to commit to. It's the Greek word pistuo. It means this. It means to have faith in, upon. In other words, in other words, it's not enough, it's not enough for me just to know that chair is there. That is not enough. Just for me to know, preacher, that that chair doesn't help me. Man, when my, when my feet are hurting and I, I'm tired and, and I've, got, I've got somewhere that I could go and, and rest myself and I could get some comfort, just me knowing that chair is there is not helping my condition. And by the way, just because you know about Jesus. Well, I watched a movie one time or I read a book one time or, uh, you know, preacher, I believe that, you know, I believe in Jesus and, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I know about him. I, I heard about him one time. It's not enough for you just to know about something intellectually. A lot of folks have an intellectual knowledge of Jesus. Well, I know more about Jesus than you do, pastor. I took religion courses in college. Well, a lot da Amen. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I don't care how many religion courses and classes you took. If all you do is just you have an intellectual knowledge about Jesus, that is not going to help you. By the way, though, it's, it's, not, it's also not enough for me to say, I believe that, church, that, that chair can hold me. I believe that chair can hold me. Still didn't give me any help. I'm still not off my feet. I'm still not getting any rest. I believe that chair will do what, it, what, what, it, what it's supposed to do. That's still not helping me. But when I come to the place and I say, I know the chair is there, and I believe the chair can do what it's supposed to do, and I make a decision to just rest. And I say, I don't understand it all. I don't know how it's built. I don't know how many screws it's got in it. I don't know. But I know one thing. It's holding me. It's holding me. It's holding me. It's holding me. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, 
I'm about to get fired up today. I'll tell you what. I want to tell you what. Thank God. Thank God for the assurance we have in the Word of God today. God says his word, in his word, salvation is as simple as believing. How about this? God says in his word, salvation is as simple as receiving. John 1.11, he came in his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Have you ever received Jesus Christ? Man, you've got to come to that place where it's a, it's a conscious act of the will. I'm lost I need you. And you receive him as your savior. God says in his word, salvation is as simple as asking. Romans 10, 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the truth is, uh, truth is, if you believe him by faith, I believe you'll receive him by faith and you'll receive him by asking in faith. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. I, all I'm saying this morning, church, is this. The book stops right there. I don't base my salvation on my feelings. Some days I feel really saved, but other days I don't feel so saved. Some days my flesh wants to rise up. Sometimes, sometimes I, I feel really spiritual, and other days I don't feel so spiritual. Other days I feel sort of carnal. But you see, I don't base my salvation on my feelings. I don't base my salvation on what a preacher says. I don't base my salvation on what a TV show says. I base my salvation upon the word of the living God. That's what I base my salvation on. You see, when I got saved, the devil still wanted me, and I'm gonna help somebody this morning, the devil still wanted me to lack assurance. And he would say things like this, and, and, and probably none of y'all know what I'm talking about, but I'm just telling you my personal testimony. After I got saved, the devil would say things like this, you didn't say the right words. Or he'd say this, you didn't have enough faith. Oh, you had some faith, you didn't have enough faith to get saved. Or he'd say something like this. You didn't come for all the right reasons. You, you got saved because you were afraid of going to hell and you ought not get saved because you're afraid of going to hell. And so you didn't get saved for all the right reasons in church. I just came here to tell you this. I don't know if I said all the right words. <laughs> and I don't know if I had enough faith and I don't know if I came for all the right reasons, but I do know that I believed on him enough to, to, to call out to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I want you to save me. And God said, hey, he said, for whosoever shall call, I'll save. Stops right there. Stops right there. Hey, I, I base it, I base it upon God's holy word. Now this is not my illustration. This is Brother Horn's illustration. Young man's out in the field plowing. He's got the reins over his, over his shoulders there. He's plowing the old mule in the field. and Man, he plows a furrow down and the devil's just bobbing him. The devil says, you're not saved. You're not saved. God said, well, I thought I, I you know, I, 
been going to church. I feel like I'm saved. And he come down the other furrow there, and the devil said, you're not saved. He, yep, yep, come on, yep, yep. The devil said, you're not saved. You're not saved. Just kept on, kept on, kept on bothering the guy. Finally, he said, up. Took those reins off around his shoulders. I mean, just got right down there in the field and said, Lord, I got to know. I got to get this thing nailed down. God, I repent of my sin. I want you to save my soul. I want you to take me to heaven. I trust you as my Savior. I trust you today. I mean, right there in the field, brother, in the clods right there, he bowed and received Christ as Savior. But when he got up, he done something sort of odd. He didn't, get, he didn't put the reins on yet. He got up, and the story goes, he drove him a stake right there. He laid that, that shovel down. He put them reins back around his neck and said, yep, yep. Old mule started pulling. Devil came back and said, you're not saved. You're not saved. God said, hang on just a minute, devil. He said, you see that stake back there? You see that stake? He said, I drove a stake. When I got it nailed down, he said, I drove a stake. Now, this is what I came here to tell you. You know what? Right there's the stake right there. That's the stake right there. The stake's not a preacher. The stake's not an evangelist. The stake's not a, a show or a book, brother. Listen, this is the stake right here. You base your salvation on the word of God. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Let me give you this last point. I said, number one, people doubt because they didn't truly get saved. People doubt because they distrust, but I really wanted to get to this last point because really this is where the Lord really struck a note in my heart. And this is, we're done, but I, boy, don't turn me off right now. I'm gonna tell you why people doubt their salvation. They doubt because they are not doers. It's exactly right. Now, I want you to look back at our scripture again, 1 John chapter 3, and look at verse number 7. And I want you to notice very carefully the wording that the Lord uses in his word. 1 John 3, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Skip down to verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil... Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Skip down to 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And verse 19, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We're done, church, but listen to this. You know why so many people doubt they're a Christian? Because they're not doing what a Christian does. Amen. That's as simple as you'll ever get it right there. Preacher, I just, I just, I just, I'm, I just don't know. I ask you a question. What are you doing? Where are you this morning when you need this message? People that are lacking assurance 
And the devil kept them out because he knew what I was going to preach today. And they need to be here. I mean, man, just tear everything away and make sure they're in the house of God. And we doubt because we're not doing, we're not doing, we're not doing, we're not doers. We're not, we're not doing what a Christian does. Listen, I'm supposed to be the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church. But if I miss next Sunday, or next Sunday, it, I have an excuse next Sunday, amen? <laughs> but let's say after that Sunday, Sunday rolls around, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, somebody says, man, where's preacher at? I don't know. Somebody goes to the deacon and says, you heard from preacher? I hadn't heard from him. Well, you know, preacher's been here 26 years, we'll just give him benefit of the doubt. Next Sunday rolls around, 10 o'clock, Preacher won't show up. Anybody seen preacher? Anybody know if pastor's on the property? I hadn't seen him. They go, ask the deacons. Y'all know anything about pastor? I hadn't heard a word. Don't know. Next Sunday rolls around. I don't show up. Next Sunday rolls around. I don't show up. Uh, uh, we got two or three folks in the hospital. I don't, I don't go visit them. I don't pray for any of our folk that are sick. We've got some folks that need counseling, but I'm, I refuse to counsel. And somebody comes and somebody says, aren't you the preacher at Calvary? You know what I'm going to say? Well, I think I am. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm really not sure. I missed four or five Sundays in a row. I ain't called anybody, didn't tell anybody about it. <laughs> supposed to counsel a few folk, I never showed up. I just, you know. What were you doing? Well, you know, we played golf one Sunday, went bass fishing the next, and I just, you know, I just got a lot going on. I just got, I got a lot, I just got a lot going on. You know, you know what? I'm at least, preacher, I'm at least going to doubt if I'm the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church anymore. And the devil comes, the devil says, you're not saved. You're not saved. You're not saved. And by the way, you know what we do is, I might not be. You know why? Because we're not doing what Christians do. If you desire a dedicated assurance, you need to be a dedicated doer. If I don't ever do anything to have a healthy marriage, thank God for my little red-headed wife who plays the piano. She's a jewel. She really is. But if I never do anything to have a healthy marriage, I mean never. I'd avoid my wife. I don't come home. Don't show up. Never do anything sweet for her. Never tell her I love her. Never give her a little love note. Never help out around the house. Her birthday comes up, I never even acknowledge it. Anniversary comes around, I never say, I don't even, no, I don't give a flower, don't give a gift. I don't even say happy anniversary. And somebody says, preacher, are you happily married? You know what, church? At the very least, I'm a doubt. Because I'm not doing what I need to do to be happily married. You want the assurance of salvation? Get busy serving God. That's good counsel today. Stay in your Bible. Stay on your knees. Stay in church. Stay in your Bible. Stay on your knees. Stay in church. Stay in your Bible. Stay on your knees. Stay in church. That sounds so good. I think I'll say it again. Stay in your Bible. Stay on your knees. Stay in church. And do, man, just do and do and do and get in there and serve God. And as you do what Christians do, guess what? You'll have a dedicated assurance that dedicated Christians have. Daniel Wheeler wrote these words, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own.
I know not how this saving faith to me he did depart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. It was 1873, Fanny Crosby, Fanny Crosby, blind Fanny Crosby, went to visit the home of a, of a dear friend. Her name was Mrs. Joseph Knapp. Mrs. Knapp's home was known to have had, uh, had the largest pipe organ of any residential home in America. And so Fanny Crosby went to this home to visit with this friend, but they didn't go to the organ that day. She said, Fanny, come over here to the piano. She said, there's been a tune, a melody in my, in my heart the last little bit, and she began to play it on the piano. Fanny Crosby right there beside her, the great songwriter. She played through that tune and she said, Fanny, she said, what does that tune say? She hadn't written any words. She just wrote the tune. She said, what does that tune say to you? And Fanny Crosby with those blind eyes said this. She said, it says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song praising my Savior all the day long. All I'm saying, churches, is what a, what a joy to lay down at night on a soft pillow. And no, Brother Gary, if I don't wake up the next morning, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to wake up. Now, when I leave here and those lungs take that next breath, there'll be celestial air. And that next hand I feel won't be my sweet little wife's hand, but it'll be a nail-scarred hand. But what a joy to know that I'm redeemed, that I'm born again. You can know that too. You can know that too. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? You know what? I believe God's got somebody personally in mind today. Somebody needs to, draw, needs to drive a stake today. Somebody may be here this morning and you, you say, Pastor, I don't know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. And I'm struggling, battling, living in defeat. I'm not living that high life like you talked about, that victorious Christian life. I'm not living in victory. And then today, why don't you do this, man? Why don't you drive a stake today? Why don't you do that? You're here this morning. You may be genuinely saved, but you've got doubts. And one of the reasons you've got doubts is because you're not doing. You're not a doer. There ought to be maybe somebody here today that just needs to make your way to an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, once and for all, I'm basing it upon the Word of God. I'm trusting Thy Word. You said believe. I believed. You said call. I called. And I'm basing my salvation on your precious blood. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed and right before we stand to our feet, I wonder first of all how many are here today. And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know, Pastor, I know I've been born again. I can take you back to that place, that time. Oh, maybe not the exact date or the exact time of the day but 
I remember the event. It was a revival. It was a Sunday morning service. A soul winner came by my house. I was listening to a radio broadcast. Something. Preacher, I can't take you to the exact date, date, but, but I remember. I was there. I remember when I got saved. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I know that I know. I know that I know. If you just slip your hand up real quick for me, you can take it right back down. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. Now let me ask you this. I wonder real quickly, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there may be one here today who would say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to get honest. I couldn't raise my hand. And if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. And right now, right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you just slip up your hand. Let me pray for you. Right now, would you do that? Would you just slip that hand up right now? You'd say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I see a hand right there. Is there another? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another? Anywhere? All right. I see that little hand right there. God bless you. Amen. Is there another here this morning? You'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up. Can I pray for you this morning? All right. I see that hand. Thank you. I appreciate that. Is there anybody else? Right before I pray, preacher, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. I want you to pray for me. Right now, you slip your hand up. Is there any anybody else? All right. Hey, church, let's all stand if you would. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. God, you can feel the Spirit of God in here today. I know you're working. And I don't know all that you're trying to accomplish. And uh, Lord, I'm just the, just the bearer of, of what you told me to preach. Lord, I pray though now that you'll work in hearts. Father, I pray that you'll save those that are lost without Christ. Maybe today's the first day it ever dawned on them or they ever realized. Maybe today's the first day that the Father began to draw them. Lord, they realize for the first time they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And I pray today that you'll save them. Give them that blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. God, have your way in the invitation, please. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And the pianist will play just for a moment. We'll just pause just for a moment. And the pastor is going to make his way to the main floor. And if you're here today and you say, Preacher, I need to make a decision for Christ. All right? Listen, I want to invite you to come. And we're going to be here, and we want to shake your hand and try to help you from the Word of God today. Okay? Would you do that with our heads? We'll just keep our heads bowed for just a moment, and you come. While we wait, you, you come. I'll make my way to the main floor. You come today.
Hey, would you do me a favor this morning? You reach down, take that song book there out of your out of your seat, and uh, you may know the first verse. You may not even need a may not even need a book, but it's number twenty-two in your song book if you need it. And we're going to sing a verse of that before we leave today. That's what she's playing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste, foretaste of glory divine. We're going to sing that. It's number twenty-two if you need it. Let's sing it together. Ready? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of start for Magnify Coffee. Amen. Don't miss tonight whatever you do. I didn't mention this in our announcements, but we're going to have a prayer meeting at 5.30 for as many as can come. We'll have a prayer meeting up here at the new property at 5.30 this afternoon. Brandon, why don't you come pray for us and I'll let you mention choir practice. And uh, By the way, if you don't have transportation tonight and you need transportation, if you'll let me or Brother Brandon know and we'll do our best to try to see if we can get you